Welcome to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. Heather Kelly is a rare discovery in the world of personal finance and broadcasting. She speaks on personal finance with such a refreshing clarity that I had to wonder was she once a former wealth manager or finance professor in a past life. As it happens, Heather Kelly has a degree in aviation management, which explains perhaps another part of her exciting and exotic career trajectory. Not only does she host her own popular podcast, Money Making Sense, but she is also a traffic and news reporter for KSL News Radio in Utah. And Heather Kelly is my guest coming up. I see the people who can barely, you know, rub two coins together, at, you know, at the end of every paycheck. So they are like, "There's no way I can save. There, I, I can't do it. I have five cents, and sometimes I don't even have that." And then you've got the people that are have make a lot of money but they kind of spend everything that they have. So even though they're making quite a a bit of money, I would say over a hundred thousand dollars a year, they feel like they're living paycheck to paycheck because sometimes society or, you know, you're trying to keep up with the neighbor. We keep digging for the secrets and stories of uncommon and everyday things and interesting people. We'll hear more from Heather Kelly in a wee moment after Heather's airline career, she switched over to veterinary care, rising in the management ranks before a recession knocked her employer hard. Today at KSL News Radio, Heather hosts her Making Money Sense podcast and is also a crackerjack traffic and news reporter. Heather says one of the big things to know about personal finance today is that hard cash still has special importance and appeal in this world of digital and electronic payments. I am a huge believer in cash only. We'll have my full interview with Heather Kelly in another moment. I want to remind you in the meantime of a top-rated new podcast I am hosting each week along with Dick Beauvais and Matt Van Alstein of Odeon Capital Group. The podcast offers superb insights, this again on money and markets. It's called Odeon Capital Conversations and you'll find Odeon Capital Conversations on Apple and on all the good platforms The latest episode looks at how the Federal Reserve in America is in effect going bankrupt as it sells off its huge balance sheet. Before we get to my interview with Heather Kelly, host of the Money Making Sense podcast and a reporter at KSL News Radio in Utah, it's time for our Future Shock 2.0 segment with Ira Wolf. Ira Wolf, let's talk about job skills and the shortages of skilled workers. Unpack it for us. John, appreciate being back. One of the things that I, I look at and I hear this all the time, my people are saying, what do you think is going to happen? Um, what's wrong with people? What's wrong with the workers today? They're not motivated. They're not skilled. Uh, it's everybody gaslights. Everybody points to, to someone else. It comes down to 
Is there a shortage? And there absolutely is. We talk about that every week on, on the future shock 2.0. Um, but there's also a hiring skill shortage. And when I mean by that, companies need to really look differently at how they approach people. And one of the key areas is, is just an education. I was presented with an interesting question the other day, and it was about do employers value online education the same way they do the traditional educational role? And the fact is, is that companies still looking at, do people have a degree and many, many jobs? In fact, more than 60% of all the jobs that are out there today don't require a degree. They don't require a four-year degree. Uh, they do require education, but not a traditional four-year degree. Uh, and uh, experience. How many years of experience do you have? And for many jobs today, we don't have experience because the jobs didn't exist three or four years ago. And the jobs that did exist are, are very different. So when we get into, when we start talking about uh, job shortages, labor shortages, uh, we really need to, to look to, companies really need to look differently at what type of education is needed, what type of experience is needed. Where they get educated isn't as important as if they got educated. You know, someone who has, is working, has a full-time job, raising a family, and taking online courses, doesn't that show initiative? Doesn't that show a growth mindset? Doesn't that show the ability to want to change? And yet, people are still, employers are still looking at, do they have a two-year degree, a four-year degree? What's college they go to? Do they value an Ivy League college more than a, a state university uh, over University of Phoenix or one of the online colleges? Uh, what about people that have learned on their own? What about people who have gotten, I, I wrote about this in my book and, and the book's five, <laughs> the first edition's five years old. We talked about people earning badges. You know, what do they do on their time off? Um, you, you, can, you, can, you can become educated going to YouTube University these days. <laughs> and yet many, many companies are still stuck on this, this credentialing and it's false credentialing because the relevance of having a, de a degree and the relevance of having five years experience or 10 years experience just doesn't work anymore. So although there is a shortage of skilled people, there's really a shortage of, of skilled hiring uh, when it comes down to the employer side. YouTube University, I like that. Uh, looking forward to having you back next week, Ira. Thank you, Ira Wolf. Ira is an author, workforce trends expert, and top five global thought leader on the future of work and HR. And he hosts his own popular podcast, Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization. I hope you're all well. It's been a really busy week with the news dominated by tragedy and the war in Ukraine and economic nervousness and dislocation and rising inflation, white hot inflation, and then some good news here and there. So it's not all dismal and bleak. Thank you everyone who sent a note or commented on my interview last week with the co-founders of Green Ice, the amazing web development company caught up in the sad and horrible war in the Ukraine. I was inspired by the tenacity of the company with many employees having had to flee the Ukraine and at least one of them working still out of Kiev. I caught up with the two 
co-founders last week, one in Poland, one in Kiev. It was a very interesting interview. Again, thank you for your comments, and it's up there on Dig Life Deep. You will enjoy my interview coming up next with Heather Kelly. She has a remarkable and refreshing take on personal finance and on money and markets and Wall Street. She will also tell us about her life as a busy traffic and news reporter at KSL News Radio in Utah. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. Heather Kelly, I'm delighted to welcome a fellow podcaster to Dig Life Deep, which covers money, politics, society, entertainment, and a lot of other topics. And of course, I host Odeon Capital Conversations with two brilliant veterans of Wall Street, Dick Bovet and Matt Van Alstein, and that discusses money and markets. It's a new podcast and it's extremely popular getting a lot of traction and it's now top rated in north america and in europe and you have your own podcast and you're in broadcast media tell us about yourself well thank you so much john i'm really happy to be here and i have actually listened to your odeon podcast and i appreciate the the way in which uh, your you and your co-hosts can help explain things to people. Uh, that's one of the things I try to do with my podcast, which is money making sense. Just bring things down to uh, an, an everyday level for people. Because as soon as you start talking high finance, people's eyes glaze over. They just think, oh, that's not for me. So I enjoy, I've enjoyed listening to your shows. Oh, well, thank you very much. And you hit an interesting financial nail on the head. Um, talking in non-finance terms don't be a finance geek and even interestingly enough on wall street a lot of people appreciate that because there's these silos there are traders who don't know what advisors do and research people don't know what investment bankers do and a lot of people pretend they know everything but if you break it down they really appreciate that yeah so anyway that's my most current passion, I would say, is helping to make money more understandable for people so that it's no, not so intimidating. And especially now with inflation and people's pocketbooks are just tightening up, you've really got to understand how you can make what you have work for you. When did you start the podcast and what sort of prompted it? I started in 2016. So it's been uh, not quite six years. It will be coming up in this fall. Uh, my, the company I work for was creating, it's a broadcast company and started into the realm of podcasting. And I looked around what they were offering and none of them talked about money. And I've enjoyed money my whole life. I'm, I'm, I'm the girl at 12 years of age had written my last will and testament to give my <laughs> piggy bank, you know, to whoever. Let's <laughs> make sure, like, gotta make sure this piggy bank money goes to the right person. Um, so, yeah, so I've always loved talking about money and learning more about it. So that's why I decided to pitch the idea of a podcast about money to my company, and they agreed, and kind of the rest is history. So, your company, uh, you are a traffic reporter and a news reporter. We'll talk about that in a moment. That's another interesting side to your career for KSL Radio in Utah. Correct, yes. KSL News Radio, it's uh, the top news station in not just the state, but sort of the surrounding Western states. It's the largest radio station. 
you can presumably pick it up on the internet and all of that and then going through the state that's the one that's going to come and that sort of in the most prominent part of the dial i'm sure yeah um i i listened to the show it's it's superb it's brilliant you have a great voice and you you know you, you make it so understandable and money isn't on one level is simple but on the other there are complicated parts of it is your audience um uh, retail like mums and dads is this a personal finance show it is it's personal finance it's how you know how we feel about money is huge in how we deal with it so i try to break down you know the psychology of money how do you save for your 401k, your child's college education? If you do spend, you know, we all need to spend by clothes or whatever. How do you, how can you spend it more wisely? So I don't necessarily go into which stocks you should be buying and look at Wall Street. Although I do talk about people being reactionary to what happens on Wall Street. Um, as an individual, we just shouldn't you know, have that, oh my God, it fell 800 points. And I, I got to get out. It's, you know, the world is nigh. Yeah. And that's n- not true. Give us a variety of the other topics you've covered over, you know, the last few months. And I'm sure right now with the way the stock market has been going, this is a pretty um, interesting time. And you probably have noticed a lot of people tuning in. I'm, I, that's something I've noticed when times of turmoil and volatility and crisis on wall street or in the economy people turn to finance columns and business shows yeah they're looking to find out how they aren't going to go broke or have to declare bankruptcy is what i have have found the shows that actually are picking up the most traction at the moment are how do i keep my retirement in place you know, they're worried about having to break into the retirement. They've worked so hard to accrue and maybe have to dig into it in order to pay the mortgage or, you know, God forbid they have some type of emergency and a big emergency. And now they have to dig into that at retirement fund. So I find those are the ones that they are tuning into is how to prevent making things worse. Yeah, and you've probably uh, get a great feel for how uh, consumers' um, lives have been turned around during this market upheaval. And also, on the longer term, you probably get a great insight to how people manage their money. And I'm sure it's a pretty mixed bag. It's very mixed. I, I see the people who can barely you know, rub two coins together you know, at the end of every paycheck. So they are like, there's no way I can save there. I I can't do it. I have five cents. And sometimes I don't even have that. And then you've got the people that are have make a lot of money, but they kind of spend everything that they have. So even though they're making quite a a bit of money, I would say over a hundred thousand dollars a year, they feel like they're living paycheck to paycheck because sometimes society or, you know, you're trying to keep up with the neighbor yeah next door and if you're caught up in in how things look as opposed to how you can live wisely then that's where i see uh, a lot of mistakes that people make but then we are because we're getting out the word about you need to have a minimum of a thousand dollars in your savings account for emergencies we're starting to see a lot more people tune into that and like okay now how do i do that now of course inflation is 
hurting at the moment, but you can still do it. You can still make certain moves to help help your savings and retirement grow. I mean, there's all kinds of shocking statistics. We read that most Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Very few have a rainy day fund. Um, many don't even have much in their retirement savings um, 20 years out from retirement, say, all kinds of horror stories and deep in debt. Yeah, we're seeing uh, only 30% of people polled anyway, because of course, we haven't polled, you know, all 100 million, however many yeah. people we have in the US, but only 30% of those that have been talked to have what they consider enough for retirement. That leaves 70% of people who don't even either don't have retirement at all or, ad, you know, admit they like they're nowhere close to it. It's, it's amazing when you just kind of look at it that way. Are your listeners Utah centric? Of course, having a podcast is global, but I notice some of your guests are local that you interview. They are a few, but I do have uh, quite a few national guests as well. Uh, my podcast is international, as you said, and actually, uh, Indiana is has I have the most listeners in Indiana for some reason, and they're almost twice as many as in the state of Utah, where I'm based. And then I've had a few uh, recently. I've done a lot on scams. Brilliant! I remember you had an expert on for sure. And <laughs> uh, India is really interested in those two podcasts, the ones on scams, man. I have got the <laughs> leadership in India just went sky high. <laughs> wow. I wonder what's that telling us. Now, your background in finance and money is interesting, right? You you are a bookkeeper and you've, you know, as you said yourself in your bios that you've managed money through different careers and, um, and you're, you're, you're equipped and qualified through experience to talk about money. Yeah, but I don't consider myself an expert. I mean, my experience is just the day-to-day -day management of businesses. My my degree is actually in aviation management, but I after leaving the airline industry, I used the management part of my degree to go into veterinary work and I became a hospital director. So my management skills were put to use in, you know, how much do I have to spend to buy medications for the pets, you know, how, how much is it going to cost for payroll, you know, things like that. So I've got sort of that type of experience in money. Plus as a bookkeeper, I've been, I file taxes for people. I'm not a, an accountant by any means, but if it's very simple and just, you know, helping get the forms together, that's what I can do as a bookkeeper. What's your overall thrust uh, as a podcast host of a money show, do you preach prudence, caution, conservatism, manage your money wisely, don't speculate, um, don't live paycheck to paycheck, do a little bit of investing, get your retirement fund? You know, what's the big picture? Pretty much everything you just said. Uh, <laughs> but I am a huge believer in cash only. Now, I'm not, I mean, the world just kind of doesn't work that way now. So I am a realist. It's very hard to just work only in cash. But I feel there are certain areas you can maybe only use cash, which it is so painful 
to turn over money. If you're handing over actual dollar bills, it's very painful to do that. If you have a credit card, you swipe it and you put it back in your wallet and you don't feel Mm -hmm. like you've lost anything. And even Mm -hmm. paying bills these days, it's, you know, it's all electronic. You just send it via the bank. So if you can pay for your gas or your groceries, your haircuts, anything like that with cash, you tend, people can save so much more money once they realize what they're handing over. Uh, People I found, and even myself, when I started this, I had the same amount of money. I wasn't making any more money than before I started cash only, but all of a sudden I had 20% more money at the end of every paycheck because I was paying attention to how many dollar bills I'm handing over to people and not getting much back. Wow. Yeah. That's a fascinating insight, and it probably shows us how our whole consumer behavior has changed in a generation or two. Uh, Credit cards are pervasive, right? I mean, is the caveat to that if people are to use credit cards, which most Americans are swiping, you know, they have to sometimes just pay off the balance at the end of the month if that can be done. And a lot of most can't do that or don't do it. Right. And so that's where this conundrum comes into is because we are such a swipe, even your phone, just swipe your phone, swipe your credit card. Um, If you aren't paying attention to what you're swiping and how much you're putting on that credit card, you get the statement at the end of the month and you go, oh, well, I you know, I maybe can pay a little bit more than the minimum balance required, but I can't pay the whole thing off. Well, now you've just, you're digging yourself deeper in a hole because the next month interest is going on to that balance that you couldn't pay off. And most likely you've put even more stuff on the credit card. So it's just this horrible cycle. So if you can pay as much as you can with cash only, I get there are some things you may not be able to or don't feel comfortable doing. You know, I'm not going to probably buy a washing machine with cash, but whatever balance you have left over, if you've paid everything else off with cash throughout the month, that statement that you get isn't going to be hurt as much. And most likely you will be able to pay most of it off at the end of the month. Incredible advice. Of course, a lot of people, they may take your advice, they may not. I mean, some people have just got so used to those credit cards. And some of where you're going on this reminds me somewhat, and I'd just love to get your opinion, of Dave Ramsey, his School of Business and Economics. It's fascinating. I know some people who swear by Dave Ramsey. Yeah, I actually studied, before I went on my journey of how I can get myself out of debt, I started listening to all those finance gurus. There was uh, Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, a couple of others. But Dave did speak to me because everybody else, Susie or Susie as well. Yeah. Um, it was they're, they're going on as if everybody, of course, makes a hundred thousand dollars. Like, well, the first thing you got to do is put twenty thousand dollars away in your savings account. I'm like, I don't even make twenty thousand dollars a year. How am I or how am I supposed to just put $20,000 into my savings. Yeah. Dave Ramsey was the first one who was like, look, you know, people struggle, but one way you can struggle less is to realize where your money is going. And so by paying cash for everything, that was the first thing I heard was like, oh, it's going to hurt 
it's going to hurt if I'm paying over, handing over this cash. And that's a really good realization to start figuring out where's all my money going. So I did take a lot of what he has said, but I've gone off on my own because I, again, the way society has evolved in the last 10, 15 years, there's pretty much no way to get around not using a credit card. Yeah. I think you need to use it much more judiciously than we do and pay for cash in the areas that make sense, like your gas, your groceries, haircuts. Yeah, exactly. And we know there are many reasons why a lot of those retail outlets will always welcome cash. We don't have to describe that here. It seems pretty self-evident. Um, and there's a certain convenience there rather than burdening them with swiping a card and losing a fee and yeah. so on. Yeah, because yeah, because not only do you have to deal with possible accruing of interest if you don't pay off that credit card, the retailer or the person that you just swiped the credit card with, they don't actually get the full payment. Yeah. Because they have to pay a fee every time their customer uses a credit card with them. I mean, America and the Western world, for sure, is credit fueled. It's a, they're, it's, they're, these are credit fueled economies, and so naturally leads to booms and busts. Latest stats I saw was that American personal debt, I guess, consumer debt, fifteen. Do I have this stat right? Fifteen trillion. I believe in it a, is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had to. I had overall, to yeah, fifteen trillion dollars. American. I had to. I had to catch myself for a little because, my gosh, you know, the national debt thirty one, thirty two, and of course that doesn't include other debt out there in our economy. But that's a huge amount of money. I I ran it by somebody on Wall Street, and I said, "Geez, if we have a recession, won't this have an outsized impact on what happens to the economy? He didn't seem to think so, but I sense it will. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of borrowing. Yeah, the the problem is is that Wall Street, in and of itself, doesn't require people to be employed. They don't care how high the employment rate or it, you know, mm-hmm. the Wall Street. It runs independently of pretty much anything else that is happening, whether you have a job or not whether you know there's problems with the supply line wall street just is its own thing and you know this because as soon as somebody mentions oh we don't think we're going to make as much money as we had predicted now they still don't have all of their numbers you know their quarterly numbers they're like oh we're still gathering it all <laughs> but we may not have made as much as we thought we were then everything tanks all of a sudden. Like you don't even have the numbers out. It hasn't happened yet. Or, you know, take uh, Twitter right now. Elon Musk, oh, I'm going to buy it. Oh, Twitter stocks went up. Oh, I don't want to buy it. Oh, they went down. Well, Twitter is still Twitter. Nothing has changed with Twitter, but because somebody is saying, I'm going to buy or I'm not going to buy, and none of that has even happened, stocks go up and down. Yeah. So it is, It is. Wall Street is just this own weird entity that really doesn't care what Americans are doing individually. Mm-hmm. I guess we're talking about the, the soul of Wall Street or the soullessness or however way you may want to characterize it. And I have a lot of friends on Wall Street. Hope they're not mad with me. Um, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, actually a lot of, a lot, there are people on Wall Street who, who make money on the downside, there's a crash and on the upside. Yeah. And actually, so I don't sure when this episode will air, but if, you know, stock is still going down and you do have a little bit of money that you can play with, if you haven't been too terribly affected by inflation, 
now is actually a really good time to buy a few stocks, you mm-hmm. know, buy that yep. Bitcoin that drops to $15,000 because yes. it should turn around. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of Bitcoin by any means, but you know, if it turns around in the next couple of years and goes back up to, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, huh, look at that. You know, I, I feel like people, we need to change our thinking, like instead of, oh my God, everything's crashing and having a panic attack and thinking I've got to get out of stocks and I'm going to buy gold. Well, you know, no, you're, if you're going to play the stocks, you have to be in it for the long haul. And and then your advice there is buy on the dips and, uh, you know, you catch the uh, rallies. There's a famous phrase, uh, the market goes up uh, on an escalator and down on the elevator. You know, it goes up, it goes down, and it'll go back right up. I mean, over the lifetime that we yeah. can trace record. Because if you look at uh, when we had the Great Recession in 2008, before the stocks fell, Wall Street, the Dow was sitting at 13,000 points, and then it fell to 8,000 mm-hmm. over you know, a couple of months period. Well, we're at 30,000 now. I mean, even if we lost 10% of the Dow, that's still only 3,000 points. Yeah. So you're still yeah. at 27,000, which is triple what we were at the bottom of 2008. So, you know, it just i just want to warn it's an I, extraordinary I, recovery yeah exactly and, may, and may, may not be quite that extraordinary if we have a big dip you know later on because i just feel like how high can it really go <laughs> yeah. you know but the thing is is it's there like i said you know losing 10 percent of it we're still yeah. much better off than we were 10 years ago hi i'm danica patrick watching my nieces grow play and learn is amazing but not every child gets to be carefree One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. My guest is Heather Kelly. She's a traffic and news reporter with KSL News Radio in Utah and host of the popular Money Making Sense podcast up there on Apple and on all the popular platforms. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. The chatter on Wall Street and and the narrative, if you will, right now is that we're likely to have a recession and they're all saying it could be a mild recession. I don't know. I'm not an economist. I always sort of think we could have a really bad one at some point, just weighed down by all this debt. But we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I'm not sure how bad the recession is, but I've been talking for the last nine months that within a year to 18 months, we will have a recession. Yeah, it seems inevitable at some point. Um, well, we always have recessions, part of the cycle. Um, so you got into broadcasting and you are a traffic reporter and you're a news reporter. I mean, it's just incredible variety. Fascin- I mean, the traffic reporter in Utah, that got, got my attention. What, what's that like? Uh, it can be pretty intense, actually. Just this last week, we had... I. I-15, which is our major thoroughfare through the what we call the Wasatch Front. It runs through uh, Orem, Provo, Salt Lake, and Ogden, the big cities here. And we it was shut down. I-15 was shut down a couple of times because of rollover crashes. Oh, but this one was cool. 
All right. So we had a big windstorm. Sorry, I get all excited about traffic. <laughs> we had a big windstorm that uh, blew down some power lines. Now they didn't actually come all the way down to the road, but they were dipping really low. And a, a train went by, clipped the, lo- the power line, which then did bring it down over the road, which just as a semi truck was going by, clipped the those power lines, rolled into a barrier. So the barrier got pushed into the opposite side of the freeway. Wow. And then there was gas and fuel everywhere from the semi truck. Oh. It, was, it was awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, wow. Awesome sight to behold. <laughs> oh, I imagine. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, God. And, and, and how do you, I always, the traffic reporters, when I hear them on radio or t- on TV, do you go around in a helicopter or you drive, check things out, or how do you monitor the traffic? No, you know, with technology these days, we have 8,000 cameras set up around uh, Salt Lake Valley and, and Ogden and places like that. So you just click on a camera and you get live video feed of what's happening on the road right there. We used to go up in the in the airplane. Perhaps that's the way it's gone more and more in New York Metro. But I had that image of somebody being up in the chopper and some of it was to attract you know, attention from, from the audience. Oh, I'm up and Joe blow up on my helicopter here, looking down at you guys. And it was pretty exciting, but I guess with all those cameras, you know, you can get it clear. It's, is that stressful trying to monitor all those cameras? It can be, especially if you have a snow day. Oh God, I, you're just, cause we do traffic reports every 10 full on traffic reports, every 10 minutes on the news radio station. Plus, we have what we call teases every five minutes. Mm -hmm. So in between all that, you are trying to click all these cameras and figure out what's going on. And if you uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, we had nine crashes in a 25 minute period and they were pretty big. Mm. They were, you know, some of them are blocking three lanes of a five lane highway. Uh, You know, the, the biggest intersections we have for people trying to commute all happened right at the peak of rush hour yesterday morning. And, and then we had nine of them in 25 minutes. And oh, we were gosh. like, did everybody forget how to drive? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, some, some, you know, thing occurred across the zeitgeist and everybody just went, oh, we're just going to crash now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I don't know how you do it. Obviously, reporters do their thing and you have to get your facts right. I'm sure that's always, especially with traffic reports, you have to say, the accident was here and not across the block here. Is, yeah. I mean, you can make some, get somebody's name wrong in a news story or something weird mixed up. You, you certainly don't want any errors in traffic reporting. Yeah. And unfortunately we've had that because cameras, if they zoom across a roadway, you may not realize that that camera is no longer looking at the northbound side of traffic. It's zoomed across and is now looking at the southbound side of things. Mm -hmm. So if if that happens and you're literally 10 seconds from starting a report and you go, oh, here's a new crash. And then they toss to you and you're like, oh, and we're got and you're trying to figure it out in your head as you're talking. Yeah, I've done the southbound. And then you get all the messages like that crash is northbound it's not southbound you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, i'm right. so sorry <laughs> i know so if uh, any of our listeners are going through utah that general area they'll be able to hear your voice and uh, i'll be tuned in uh you're also a news reporter what kind of stories do you report uh, well it depends on what is happening uh 
for the day. Um, when I first started with KSL News Radio, the station, I was I was hired as on call. So I got put in, oh, today you're the news reporter. Oh, today you're the associate producer. Oh, today you're the traffic reporter. So I've been sent out as a news reporter to shootings at one of our parks where, you know, guys shot dead and the shooter's still at large. And it's like, Heather, go check it out because he's still at large. Oh, be careful while you're there, by the way. <laughs> Hope you have good insurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been called to floods, fires. You got, you know, if the land, if the hillside is on fire, you have to go out and especially if there's evacuations, uh, report on that. Um, a lot of times it's, it's a little bit more simple. Um, today I was doing stories on uh, the blood shortage and we're coming up on a holiday weekend. And so uh, the Red Cross is saying, hey, you know, we're, we're pleading. We've been short short supplied for the last two years anyway because of a pandemic, and now with the holiday weekend coming up, we're going to need even more blood because people get into accidents, things yeah. like that. So that was my story uh, today. So I do half half of my job. The first part of the morning during rush hour is traffic reporter, and then the second half is news reporter. I turn a story for. The day. Wow, that's 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 a busy schedule. And then how, how do you get your podcast done? After I'm done with my news story, then I get oh to do gosh. my podcast. <laughs> wow. And, oh, gosh. And so you have to come up with different topics. I'm ma managing two podcasts at the moment, so I know, and then other writing assignments. And so you just got to be organized. Yeah, that's the, the key is figuring out. And I have to book people like three, four weeks in advance usually. So just to... I just go back to the world of podcasting again, because I appreciate your insights. And I'm being a little selfish because you have a very professional insight into this. What's your overall sense? There's so many podcasts out there. It's like a new podcast is launched every day. I mean, some I saw some stat there's 500,000 or something active podcasts. It could be way more even. Yeah, I think uh, the last count I heard was there's actually, and this is just Apple podcasts, mm -hmm. not not everything, but there were 820,000 podcasts on Apple. Now, the thing is, not all of them are active. Some just do what they call by the season. You know, they'll do 12 and they're, they're done. Um, some you can access, but maybe the people have moved on. But I, I think, unfortunately, if I look at my, from a news perspective, podcasts are not great because people will tune into what feeds their beliefs. Mm -hmm. So if you are, you know, someone who believes that UFOs are real and, you know, whatever it is, and that's all you listen to, you're going to think, of course, everybody knows real and they're coming to get me. So from a kind of a news type thing, I, I feel it's a bad thing and I, I get it. I'm, I have my own podcast, but I think if you can, I would, ho I'm hoping it may be too late. The cat may be out of the bag and it's never coming back in. But if, if there is some type of control over some podcasts ever, if we ever get that, you know, finding things that speak to, can speak to everyone like money. Everybody has to deal with money. It doesn't matter if you're blue, green, red, yellow, who cares if you're less, you know, positioned on the left or the right politically, you have to deal with money in yeah. some way. So I feel that can speak to everybody. And I try not to bring politics into it. It's um, 
making money sense the name of your podcast it's the fact as they say it is the facts and it's concrete you can it's tangible um stuff you're talking about here you yeah know, dollars and, and cents right but also because i don't want to um ignore how you feel about money mm. one of the the best conversations i ever had was with a psychologist who we talked about you know why spouses like their spouses fight the most about money. Mm. But what we found out, what he says is it's at the core of as what money can do for you. So you have a, a couple who are struggling financially, and then the husband goes out and buys a boat. Mm. And the wife is like, what are you, we can't afford a boat. What are you doing? But in the husband's mind, he was like, when I was a child, our father, my father took us out on the boat and it was the only time that we got together as a family. And it was so fun. And it was just, that was togetherness. And for him, he's trying to bring togetherness to the family that, you know, if they're having marital issues, he's feeling like I'm doing this to save the family. And the wife is like, you're trying to drive me out of the house because you're spending money, you know, left, right, and center that we don't have. So you have to come together and try to figure out like, what does money mean to you? And and talk about it that way. I've heard that uh, a lot of marriages break up over money. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I mean, oh, for yeah. situations like that. Um, and some, actually, it's really sad. A husband or one of the partners loses their job and the other partner starts to get stressed out. Well, both of them are stressed out about it and light bulbs and all kinds of imaginings go on. Oh gosh, there goes our new car. There goes our vacation, uh, maybe our home. So quite amazing. It greases the wheels of social and personal interaction. Yeah. And uh, going back really quickly about the the couple, um, what the psychologist said is, Look, if if the husband feels like this is what's going to bring the family together, one thing you can do is rent a boat. Maybe try to save a little bit of money to rent a boat once in a while instead of having, you know, a $30,000 thing that you use a couple of times a year. You try to uh, figure out ways that will feed your soul within a marriage, but also protect it money-wise. Yeah, that's great advice. Makes sense. Practical sense. Uh, I saw another, it was a fun kind of survey, but had a serious um, underlining meaning. Um, We hear about infidelity, but this was um, money infidelity, a twist on it where the husband or the wife was kind of cheating on the finances. The wife didn't know the husband was, I don't know, maybe buying that. Well, you won't buy a boat in secret, but I don't know, just... hanging out with the the guys and having a great time, that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, we see that a lot where either it could be gambling, uh, it could be the wife is shopping or vice versa. She's shopping or she's gambling and he's shopping with things. Uh, One way to help that is you should have a joint account where, you know, your mortgage comes out of that. You, You both contribute if you're both working. Both contribute parts of your paychecks to pay for the mortgage, your electricity, the car payments, things like that. Then each of you, uh, you have to decide ahead of time how much of each paycheck, maybe it's 10% of each of your paychecks goes to separate accounts. And that's all you're allowed to spend. 
you know, if you, if you want to save it for retirement, whatever your own personal a Roth IRA, something like that. Great. But you do not go after the other spouse for it, how they spend that 10% that they keep in their own personal account. In terms of consumers who have the most problems with money, uh, the, might, the conventional wisdom might be that it's those living paycheck to paycheck. Is that true? Or do people who make a lot of money also have problems? Everybody has problems. Uh, uh, people who live paycheck to paycheck, their biggest issue is they struggle to have enough at the, let me rephrase that. Living paycheck to paycheck can happen at any income level because it depends on how much you're spending. And that's the reason why you're living paycheck to paycheck. Now, the lower income people sort of inherently are living paycheck to paycheck because they are barely making enough money to pay the rent and buy groceries. But there are ways, even at a lower income, that you can find ways to either earn a smidge more money if a second job or working from home, you know, doing even if it's just taking surveys, which pay a dollar or something, you know, um, just something a little bit more that you can then use that to put away it for your emergency fund, your rainy day fund, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's the people in the higher income levels that you just need to like, just because you got it doesn't mean you should be spending it. And then you're all stressed out because I'm only I have to live paycheck to paycheck. Well, you wouldn't if you you know gave up the boat. You you know downsize from a five thousand square home house to a thirty five hundred square home house. You know, thing, things like that. Inflation must be a big topic for your listeners. Oh, it's huge right now. In fact, well. We had a bit of a tragedy um, in the U.S. last night, but aside, yeah, from sadly, that, yeah, yeah. It, it, oh gosh, it's terrible. Um, aside up till that point, we were talking about the gas prices and grocery money. Yeah. Uh, you know, the prices at the grocery store, and here in Utah, we have the fifth highest gas prices in the nation. And it's excuse me, gas taxes in the nation. I don't think we're fifth highest prices overall, but our taxes are fifth highest in the nation. That all goes toward whenever you buy gas. It's uh, pernicious and insidious and inflation tends to impact more severely people on lower incomes. Mm -hmm. I've heard that over and over and it kind of makes sense if you analyze it. Yeah, they do. Because if you only have... 10% of your paycheck after you pay your rent or your mortgage and that what that 10% has to then pay your utilities, your groceries, your gas if you have a car to get back and forth to work that is going to deplete a lot more faster than the person who makes 100 dollars $150,000 a year their 10% is much greater their 10% of $150,000 is a lot more than 10% of $30,000 what future shows are coming up on making money sense any teasers we can get here uh well i have talking to me at the end of my work day and so my brain <laughs> has already left the building oh um uh hopefully we had to reschedule because of this tragedy that happened. Uh, um, but Bobby Burke from Queer Eye uh, is coming on because we're going to talk about how you can refresh your backyard on, on the cheap. 
if you need, well, yeah, everybody can do it expensively because that's pretty easy, but you know, it's trying to get things refreshed on the cheap. So he, he should hopefully be coming back in the next couple of weeks. I hope what we just had to reschedule. People can go up on anchor and Apple, any of the good platforms and get the entire menu and they won't be disappointed. I know that much. And you're also, um, it's fortunate and wonderful that you have KSL behind you, the radio station. Oh, I love it. KSL News Radio has 60 plus podcasts that they are now uh, sponsoring. One of them is called Cold, which was the number one podcast in the nation uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, so it's we've got really good personalities on there. Yeah. So even if you're maybe not into money making sense, which I hope you are, um, but there are a lot of podcasts you can choose from, from the KSL news radio. So you can listen to it. Like you said, on Apple podcasts, if you go to the kslnewsradio.com website, you'll find all those podcasts. Um, you can find money making sense everywhere. Like, you know, everywhere you listen, you'll find it. Yeah. Well, I'm hooked for sure. Heather Kelly, uh, I was delighted to have you on as a guest has uh, been fascinating interesting and uh, good luck with your broadcasting with your podcasting and with your career and watch the traffic <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much john this was fun i really appreciated it you were listening to dig life deep with john aden burn you can reach the host in the u.s at 973 973- 529-4699. That's 973-529-4699. 973-529-4699. Email burndesk at gmail.com. That's burndesk, B-Y-R-N-E, desk at gmail.com. Burndesk at gmail.com. Subscribe for free.